Expelliarmus, grab your hats, grab your wands, grab your robes, robes, because we are going to Hogwarts. Today we're talking about Harry Potter. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, where we take a look at art from pop culture and uncover the true, good, and beautiful elements found therein. Let's get started. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism on Awaken Catholic. If you would like to support uh, Pop Culture Catechism or any of the shows on Awaken Catholic, you can go to awakencatholic.org and become part of the Awaken Nation by making a recurring donation monthly, and that helps us out. That helps this uh studio run that helps all these shows happen. Uh, it is not free to, to run these shows. And uh, so that is how you can support us and, and, and keep this show happening. You can make a one-time donation as well. You can also support us by um, downloading the Awaken app. There's, we have an Awaken app now, which is awesome. You get access to all the shows on there. And if you are part of the Awaken Nation and make that monthly donation, you also get premium content through the Awaken app. And you can get um, some talks by some of our presenters and ho show hosts, including yours truly, and uh, some other cool stuff as well. You can also support us and jumpstart your prayer life by downloading the Hallow app. If you're not familiar with Hallow, it is a great way. If you're looking to work more prayer, meditative prayer into your life, uh, go to hallow.app slash awaken, and we will give you a free month of premium. And that also uh, financially benefits our, uh, our studio here at Awaken. Uh, it's a great app. My wife uses it every day to pray. You can do the rosary, Alexio Divina. So if you're, if you're looking for a little more Jesus in your life, which I know you are, um, go to hallow.app slash awaken and you can do it in your car before you go to bed. It's just, it, it's an awesome app and changing prayer lives all over the world. Today, we are talking about, well, actually, the one more way that you can support us is just like, share, subscribe, um, or give us a rating, all those things, whether you're listening to us on a podcast or whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, every little bit helps. If you know somebody that loves Harry Potter, please send them this episode. Just send them a text and say, hey, I think you would enjoy this, and uh, that would really help us out as well. Today, we are talking about Harry Potter in the Wizarding World. I uh, love this series, and I'm super excited to talk about it. Um, I have with us today. Catholic speaker Maggie Craig. Hi, Maggie. Hey, guys. What's up? Maggie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, I'd love to. My name is Maggie Craig. I'm a Catholic speaker. When coronavirus isn't rampaging across the country, I am rampaging across the country mm. and traveling and speaking to anyone who will listen and even those who won't about Jesus and the joy and adventure of the Christian life, uh, college kids, young adults, elementary school, high school, middle school, like anyone. Mm. Um, so I, I just love talking about the faith and I just love stories in general. So um, I'm a really big fan of movies and TV shows and I'm always listening to podcasts and I'm always reading like six books at once. Awesome. And uh, yeah, the first book I ever read was Harry Potter nice. and um, I have the first chapter book, you know, besides like the Hungry Caterpillar, uh -huh. which is really good. It um, is. I've probably read, I'm not exaggerating Harry Potter, at, at least 20 times. Wow. Um, yeah, since I was little, and I've listened to the audiobooks maybe just as much. That's great. I like listen to the audiobooks to fall asleep at night. So, like, the ability to be here talking about my faith, which is what I love, and mm -hmm. Harry Potter, which is what I love, is is truly a dream come true. I'm super awesome. happy to be here. I, I am I'm loving the 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 level of excitement you are you are bringing There's to so this topic. Much. Yeah. So, uh, Maggie, we've never met in real life. This is the this is the first time we've had a conversation, but I've been following you on social media just for a few years, and I, I don't know how I exactly came to follow you, but um, 
you just started showing up in my feed and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And that's really cool. And just consistently the things that you would say or post, I'd be like, all right, I gotta, I gotta keep my eye on this girl. Cause she's, she's legit and she's got good things to say. Um, and so I just kept following you. And right after I had recorded my Taylor Swift episode, you posted something on your, or you, you had had, I came across something that you had posted previously about the Taylor Swift episode. Um, album folklore about illicit affairs. And I was like, this is very similar to what I said. And she just seems to have a really cool perspective on this. I was like, I gotta, I gotta have her on the show. And when I reached out to you and gave you uh, uh, some things to, to choose from, you said, well, I really love Harry Potter. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. So I am excited to talk about Harry Potter with you. If you don't know what Harry Potter is, um, it's a series of seven books, uh, which uh, first written in 1997 and the last one was published in 2007. Uh, the timeline goes from 1991 to 1998 in the story uh, with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or sometimes in Britain it's called the Philosopher's Stone in 1997, the Chamber of Secrets in 98, the Prisoner of Azkaban in 99, Goblet of Fire in 2000, the Order of the Phoenix in 2003, the Half-Blood Prince in 2005 and the Deathly Hallows in 2007. There's also been films on each of those um, and two for the two for the seventh book. There's also a spinoff, uh, the Fantastic Beasts films, of which there's been two and a third one in production. There's also been a play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Have you, have you read that, Cursed Child? I, have. I loved yeah. Cursed Child. I, I was a huge fan of Cursed Child, and the people I know that have seen it says it's it's wonderful. I hear uh, it's a stage production. About it on yeah, stage. I would love yeah. to, to see it at some point. Um, there's also the Pottermore online community. There's a theme parks at Universal. Um, so it's it's a huge franchise, one of the one of the biggest of all time, and it's just it's epic. I, I, I love it. How did you first come across, um, Harry Potter? You said it was the first chapter book you read. Yeah. It was the first chapter book that I read. I remember, um, I heard about it at a birthday party and my mom thought it was great. Um, mm -hmm. it, it sounded great. So I remember she bought it and I actually, yeah, the first copy that I have, I, I have with me, I, I take it with That's me, awesome. um, every place that I live. And I, remember reading that myself and my mom would read it to me and um, I grew up reading the books and you know when the books would come out I'd be so excited and then they started getting bigger and bigger and, and there and there were movies and mm -hmm. I would go to uh, midnight premieres of the books and the movies and started listening to Harry Potter podcasts nice. before I even knew what a podcast was uh -huh. and um, just got more and more immersed into like the fandom of Harry Potter. Mm. I didn't even know what a fandom was, but all of a sudden I was listening to like wizard rock music and <laughs> I was going on forums and- We uh, ever run a Quidditch team? Um, yes, but it was kind of weird. Uh, I'm a huge athlete and I was like, right. this isn't athletic enough. I feel dumb with like uh, a broom in between my legs. Yeah. Um, what was your, what was yeah, your main sport? More, more. Uh, basketball. Basketball, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, but I, I love them all, mm. so. I do think that Quidditch, I've thought about this a lot. Quidditch is most like lacrosse or okay. hockey mm -hmm. because of the speed. Mm -hmm. And I think like when muggles like us, we try to play Quidditch, the speed isn't conveyed as yeah. much as it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I can talk about Quidditch for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. just got really into the, the fandom of it when I was young and still listen to Harry Potter podcasts, still read the books, talk to my friends about it. It's very much like a part of my brain. And, That's cool. Did you ever listen yeah. to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, that podcast? I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've listened, 
I've listened to they a bunch of that stuff. as well. Yeah, we'll put that mm-hmm. in the show notes. I love your, your tie you got behind you and you got yes. all the books laid out. So that's that's awesome. Um, I, so I came to Harry Potter a little late, later. I think I was I was a little bit too old for it when it first came out. I don't sure. think I was actually too old, but I think maybe in my mind as a teenager, I thought yeah, maybe I was too old. Yeah, it's presented as like a little kid's yeah. like That's the biggest joke there is. It's, it's, yeah. it's for all people. It is. So I actually saw the movies first because one of my roommates was watching. I think I saw five first, <laughs> the fifth oh, movie. No. And then- <laughs> I had never, I had never seen any other ones. And my friend was like, you, you would like this. So we slowly watched all the, my friend Raul and I watched all the movies together. Um, but seven hadn't come out yet, the seventh movie. And so I was like, well, I got to find out what happened. So I read book seven. I watched movies one through six and Wait, then read, and then oh, read book seven. Oh, no. And then, um, and then, uh, after I graduated from grad school, I was like, all right, I'm done reading all this like heavy philosophical theological stuff this summer. And I was a teacher. So I had the summers off. I was like my present, my grad school graduation present to myself is I'm going to read Harry Potter this summer. And I just sat around for hours and read Harry Potter in a hammock and I didn't feel bad about it. And it was awesome. Yeah, and you were like, I thought this book wasn't theological or philosophical. It's so but good. Jokes on you, yeah. it is. Yeah, my friend Teresa, I helped her brainstorm a, a whole youth retreat based on the themes of Harry Potter. So, Fantastic. Yeah, it was I really want to go cool. on that retreat. Mm-hmm. So now some people in the Catholic world, um, I'm sure you've you've heard this sentiment before, think that Harry Potter is like a demonic, a gateway into the occult. It's sure. something Catholics shouldn't read. I know somebody who was on a, a trip and the priest who was on the trip with them like took their Harry Potter book like from them because okay. they, they shouldn't have it. So what's your Harry Potter apologetic? When If you come across that, what, why would you say that Christians can and maybe even should read this book? Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, I think it's a really good thing to assess what you're consuming, mm-hmm. what you're reading, what yeah. you're watching, because what we read, what we consume, what we watch affects us and it enters into our brains and our yeah. hearts and it stays there. Um, so I think it's a really good thing as Catholics, as Christians to assess is what I'm consuming positively or negative, negatively affecting me. That's a really good thing to ask, especially as parents, parents, mm-hmm. you need to be aware of what your kids are consuming. And, um, I don't think Harry Potter is something you need to worry about, but the idea of being a discerning person, I think is a really good thing. Amen. Amen. Congrats for anyone who's taking their soul seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, Harry Potter is a work of fiction. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is magic present in Harry Potter, which is a work of fiction. There's also magic present in Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. and Chronicles of Narnia and Star Wars Mm -hmm. and Disney. Mm-hmm. And just because it's present in all things, that doesn't make it acceptable. But if you only object to the magic in Harry Potter and not the magic in Lord of the Rings and Narnia, which are incredibly Christian pieces yeah. of literature, mm-hmm. um, if you're not objecting to all the magic in Cinderella, in Disney, and all these things, then I think there's a little bit of inconsistency. Yeah. And we need to examine that. So if you're across the board, like, no, if there's magic in anything, I'm not reading that. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's that's fine. I would encourage you to reflect on First Corinthians. St. Paul writes, you know, when I was a child, I acted as a child and I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things and entered maturity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a part of maturity to recognize the difference between fiction and reality mm. and the power that fiction has to teach us about reality 
but how it's not reality. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and if you are not at that point where if if you read Harry Potter and if you're like, I'm going to do witchcraft, then Mm -hmm. like Harry Potter isn't for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe counseling is, and um, Mm -hmm. maybe you should read the lives of the saints and just focus on reality for like a little bit Mm -hmm. and until you get to that point where you can assess fiction. And if that's where you are, (laughs) great. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. That's Mm -hmm. good. So there's magic in a lot of different things. And and I've, I've heard other people say, well, the magic in Lord of the Rings is different than the magic in Harry Potter. Well, like, okay, well, let's go there then. My understanding of how magic is used in the Harry Potter world is that it's used like electricity. Mm-hmm. They don't know how it works. They, um, they just say a few words. They move their wands. And magic happens for the benefit of themselves, for human society, for transportation, for mm-hmm. getting knowledge, not to do dark things. Like, I don't understand how electricity works. I don't. Sorry. Mm, yeah. I've been to class. I've learned about it. But for me, I just like flip a switch and it improves my life and it's not leading me to sin. And that's mm-hmm. how I view magic in the Harry Potter world. The only people in the Harry Potter universe who are using dark magic are the bad guys, yeah. are mm-hmm. the Death Eaters. They are yeah. the ones who are trying to rise people from the dead and use their magic to torture people and to summon things. And it's very clear that they're bad guys. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. there's no gray area. They yeah. are the dark. They are the evil. And the good guys, led by Dumbledore, um, he says that the strongest magic that they have is love. Yeah, and amen. I think that's very important. So that sounds very much like the gospel to me. Amen. Um, and if that doesn't sound like the gospel to you, you don't have to read it. That's you don't okay. have to, yeah. Uh-huh. But I think there is... So much truth, beauty, and goodness to be found in Harry Potter. And as a Christian living in a fallen, broken world, I want to identify truth, beauty, and goodness Mm because that's where God lives. Amen. And when I seek truth, beauty, and goodness, it elevates me to him. And and I've found that through Harry Potter. And I think if you're a wise, discerning person, you will find that too. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. And just just because uh, a little kid jumps off a shed doesn't mean he shouldn't you know, it doesn't mean Superman is bad, right? There how many people yeah. wanted to be Superman? Like, yeah. yes, yes, you should, you should, you know, reason as, as an adult and adults should have conversations with kids. Um, but just cause it's, it's in the book doesn't mean it, it's bad. And I love what you said that, yeah. um, you know, it's fiction, it's, it's fantasy. And, uh, Tolkien has an essay that he wrote called on fairy or on fairy stories. Mm-hmm. I'll put it in the show notes, but basically what he says is that there's a really important role that fiction and fantasy plays in our minds is that it trains your mind to understand spiritual things. It trains mm-hmm. your mind to understand Amen. the spiritual worlds. And one of my best friends, he grew up without any sort of faith, but he loved fantasy. And when he became mm-hmm. a Christian as an adult, that was like super helpful for him. Huh. I, I was having conversations with him. He would call me up and we, we'd talk about the God gospels as he was reading through them. And he's like, you know, like all that stuff we read, like the fantasy books, like Harry Potter and, and, and star Wars. And it's like, that's what I find in the Bible, but it's real. And CS Lewis says, Jesus is the myth come true. And so Mm -hmm. not only would I say that I I would not only say that fantasy is okay, but fantasy is actually a good. And Tolkien would say it's a good that it prepares our mind for the life of faith. And, um, so you don't, I don't think you have to swear off the wizard of Oz because they have a good witch in it. And that's like promoting witchcraft (laughs) and any more than the Gandalf is a wizard and a warlock. Like, I don't think you have to swear those things off. I think there is a positive good, um, in, in those, in those things. So I agree. Um, so true. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So let's talk a little bit about, um, just like how it's written, the craft of how mm. it's, it's written. What, what do you love about the, the writing of, of Harry Potter? 
so much. Mm. Uh, Give me me one thing. (laughs) Yeah, she's a J.K. Rowling is a master storyteller. um, And she wrote Harry Potter, the first book, Sorcerer's Stone, with knowledge of how it would end. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that in the books. Mm -hmm. So like example, in, in the first chapter of the Sorcerer's Stone, we hear about um, Hagrid, he arrives on Sirius's motorbike, okay? We don't really know what that is or how that matters. Mm-hmm. In the third book, Sirius and his motorbike is a huge part of the yeah. story. And you're uh-huh. like, how did I know about this? Oh, it was planted in yeah. the first chapter. Uh-huh. J.K. Rowling loves to do that. She's a master storyteller yeah. wow. where I feel like, um, and I think there were some comments on this that she like wrote the final chapter of the Deathly Hallows like very early on. So yeah. I just I really appreciate the good storytelling where she she plants seeds early on and um, and as Harry matures through the books, so does the uh, the subject matter yeah. of the books and the and the, the readers. If you were reading the them as they came mature, out, yeah, yes. And the mm-hmm. first book is very simple and very lovely, still profoundly true. Uh, but then when you get to the seventh book, you're wrestling with themes of mm-hmm. light and darkness and good and evil and self-sacrificing love. And it, it led you there perfectly. Yeah. And um, yeah, J.K. Rowling, she's a master storyteller. Of, I love the relationships she's crafted where mm-hmm. I will find myself, well, I'll be like, you know, I wonder what Hagrid's doing today. Like, I'll just think about that because Hagrid <laughs> is such a vivid character that he she's is. written that yeah. it, so I think you come to Harry Potter for like the drama and mm-hmm. the mystery, but I think you stay for the characters. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. the relationships she's managed yeah. to um, to really bring to life. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you said about, well, first of all, the um, how it's all so interconnected and she had so much planned out. And I think you can look at something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you have things you mm-hmm. can connect from the first Iron Man movie all the way to Infinity Absolutely. War. And like that, like Harry Potter was setting the stage for that. Like that level of integration and that that long term thing, like Harry Potter was setting the the, the stage for that. Like that, the, sure. the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't happen without Harry Potter. I don't think. No, um, I don't think fandoms really happen without Harry Potter. We mm, could talk about this for a long time, yeah, yeah. but I think with the dawn of the internet, um, mm-hmm. Harry Potter produced the modern fandom. Yeah, but. Mm. Uh, we can talk about that, but the, uh, the other thing I was going to say that it, the, the books grow up with the reader. My brother, he doesn't yeah. let his kids read all the books at once. Like they have to wait a year mm. before oh. they read the next one. He's so smart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I, I think I'll, I'll probably do that with my kids. All right. I, I think, yeah. I think with his son, he had to move it up to every six months because <laughs> yeah. he was like, please dad, I want to mm-hmm. read the next one. No, I remember yeah. the gap between, I think mm-hmm. Goblet of Fire and, or the Phoenix, I think it was three years. Mm-hmm. And wow. I think, yeah, I remember the agony mm. and, and that's what really drove me to start finding like the Harry Potter community and, mm. and talking about theories. Um, that doesn't happen as much like, uh, like the Twilight books came out a lot quicker or books I think are released with a lot more frequency, but mm. I, I remember having to wait so long, but then that really made me reread them mm-hmm. and made them come alive for me a lot more. Yeah. That's, I don't know if you ever heard of Brandon Sanderson, um, but he's a, he's a fantasy author and he has a, a series mm. called the Stormlight Archive. It's like a 10, 10 book series, but book four Amazing. came out like this week that we're filming this oh, <laughs> and gosh. I'm like, can't wait to get home and it's start so reading exciting. it. Yeah. It's so good. That's so yeah. exciting. Now, a, another thing I love is like the Weasleys, the Weasleys gotta be Catholic, right? I mean, are they baptized? No. <laughs> Do they live in love? Yes. They look like a Catholic family. Oh. To they me, they act like, like a, a Catholic, Catholic family. family. Come yeah. on. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the Weasleys are just such a perfect 
image of the loving family, um, mm-hmm. the family that accepts other people into their ranks. They're a family that's not threatened by mm-hmm. the presence of Harry, uh, that, but they just share their family values with him. Mm-hmm. And they're a family that's built on forgiveness. You know, um, one of the family members, Percy, he sort of betrays the family and goes yeah. over to the the ministry, not quite the mm-hmm. dark side, but he betrays them and shames them and it wrecks them, but they forgive him. Um, mm-hmm. and he's welcome back into the family. So they display so many aspects of, of a good Christian family, a husband and a wife who truly love each other. Yeah, who, like, they really do. Are into each other. It's like, yeah. almost uncomfortable when you're reading uh-huh. it as a 15 year old, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a family full of love and acceptance, but also like, calling you on to greatness mm-hmm. yeah i think they're a fantastic image of the Catholic yeah. family and mama weasley is like such a mama bear and you like see her get like yeah. fierce and defensive and like she's oh yeah she's, she's awesome i love her and she i don't know if this is in the i don't think it's in the movies but do you remember mrs weasley's clock do you remember this she's got oh, this remind me magic clock that um instead of numbers along the the dial mm-hmm. there the, the names of their family members mm-hmm. so it'll tell you where the family member is how they're doing like oh, what yeah. state they're in like if they're traveling if they're uh-huh. in mortal peril and mrs weasley just carries that clock with her everywhere because she's always like keeping an eye out on uh-huh. her family which is like totally blessed virgin mary vibes um, yeah mm-hmm. but just very interested in the welfare of her family mm-hmm. let's let's get into some of the themes um uh, like I think Harry Potter, you can glean a lot of Christian themes from uh, from it. Something something that one place that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis disagreed is that Lewis loved allegory, where it's like Aslan is Jesus, pretty much. Like not exactly, not but really but pretty much. Debate. Whereas Tolkien, he very much liked that. He thought it was like oppressing. It was the author almost sure. oppressing the, the reader's mind, and he said, "I don't I don't tell allegories. I tell histories." And because because mm. um, humans learn from stories and they learn from histories, and you can learn okay. just as much from a fictional history as you do from an actual yeah. history. And so I see it here in Harry Potter. It is kind of an alternate mm-hmm. timeline of, of, of humanity. And I feel like we can learn mm-hmm. a lot from it. So what are, let's, let's talk about a, a theme that you think Christians can learn from, from Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter is about love. This mm-hmm. is what Harry Potter is about. Harry Potter is about love. The first book starts, first chapter starts with, um, there is evil in the world mm-hmm. and that's our life right now. There's evil in the world, but there's also love and, um, the book starts with Harry's mother dying for him, mm. self-sacrificing love, um, where she lays down her life. She dies for her son. And through that sacrifice, through that death, a spell of protection surrounds Harry. So evil cannot touch Harry because there is love. Mm. Okay, this is in the first chapter of the first book. This totally is Christian. So Christian. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so Christian. In this self-sacrificing love, this theme continues where it ultimately culminates in Harry laying down his life, self-sacrificing himself, giving himself up in death to save those around him out Mm -hmm. of love. And then that boy rises from the dead and then ends up defeating evil through the power of love. Like he's one weapon. Spoilers, by the the way. Evil. I'm sorry. The books came out a long time ago. If you're listening to this podcast and haven't read, what are you doing? I'm I'm so bad with spoiler warnings. I was like halfway through an episode. No. Okay. No. If this was about a series that was coming out, yeah. that's one thing. Harry Potter yeah. came out a while Sorry, ago. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You can continue with your No, so. I'm just annoyed if anyone would be mad about spoilers. But yeah, no, right. just the theme of Harry Potter is love is stronger um, than evil. Light Amen. shines in the darkness. Darkness mm-hmm. has not overcome it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is willing the good of the other. And um, that's what Harry Potter is about. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and if you if you read Harry Potter and if you don't see that, 
I think you're not familiar with the gospel. Um, mm. J.K. Rowling, um, she was interviewed. I remember this interview. It was on MTV and The Fountain of All Knowledge. And they asked her once the books had come out, what is your religious belief? Mm-hmm. And she said, I feel like I can finally talk about my um, religion because before the books came out, I was afraid to say I was Christian because then I thought people would figure out the ending of the book. Mm. So, <laughs> so what, what breed of Christianity is taking rolling? I don't know. I, yeah, I uh, haven't asked her, but she is the breed of Christian where she knows the gospel message is love is stronger yeah. than death and self-sacrifice and love wins all. Amen. So that's the theme of Harry Potter. There's a lot of other subtle themes, mm. but that is... And, and that you choose that love is a choice and harry very much is a, a christ figure like he's called the chosen one through much yeah. of the, the book messiah, anointed yeah. one. anointed yeah. one yeah that's what messiah mm-hmm. means is the anointed one yeah and he's called the boy who lived like he yeah. he was supposed to die from death but yet he conquered death because mm-hmm. of love now it's uh, obviously he's not God, the son incarnate, but it's, there's definitely themes there. Um, and Lily Potter's sacrifice saves him and protects him from Voldemort, as you said, but then it's, he has to sacrifice for his friends. He knows the only way to really defeat death is to accept it onto himself and let Mm. death do its worst to him. And that's, I mean, that's, that's straight out of like my grad school soteriology salvation class is, uh, Christ is the victor. Christ is victor. Like he accepted agony and death, the worst that sin had to throw at him and he conquered it on the cross. And Mm -hmm. he took the worst of our humanity, the worst of our fallenness and accepted it onto himself and it was crucified. It was nailed to the cross and he rose again in love. And that's how we know that we can face the worst that love has to, the worst that life has to throw at us because Jesus has already conquered it. So that when we're facing that pain, when we're facing that sin, we know that Jesus has already conquered it. And yes, we're still experiencing that pain, but, um, you know, the victory is won already. And I see that so much in, uh, in, in Harry. Amen. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the idea of choosing love? Because I think I think yeah. so much in our culture, you know, we, people talk about love and they think, oh, it's like the depth of your feelings. It's the depth sure. of your desire. That's what real love is. And if you really love someone, it's like how strongly you feel for them. And I feel sure. like it comes through very strongly in this book that real love is not dependent on your emotions. Real love is because mm-hmm. – you know, Voldemort has tons of passion. Uh, Bellatrix yeah. Lestrange has tons of passion, so but what, yeah, but the, <laughs> it's when that passion is channeled for the good yeah. and that choice for good. Um, and I, I think there's cool parallels with the idea of vocation of calling, you know, as mm-hmm. Christians, we talk about how God calls us through our vocation yeah. and there's kind of this, this providential destiny that we have, but at the same yeah. time, it doesn't co-opt our will. And I love that there's this prophecy and maybe maybe you could talk about this a little more because I'm still a little fuzzy on it, but there's this whole thing in the book that Neville Longbottom, who's kind of, kind of, kind of a derp through much of the books. (laughs) Take it back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, by the end he's redempted, (laughs) redeemed. Um, but, um, there's this thing that he also could have been the chosen one from the prophecy, but it was Harry because Harry kind of lived into it. Like he chose it. So there's the idea that your calling chooses you, but you also kind of choose your calling. Sure. Um, Yes. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Talk about this. It's the whole thing of divine providence where Mm. God has destined us all for heaven. We are made for union with God and God makes all things work together for the good of, of his children. So God is, I love it. Go. He is wooing us. He is bringing us back to his house yet with total freedom. Um, and and because God knows that the foundation of true love is freedom. So mm. love that is forced is slavery. So God is not about to force us. God will risk eternity of separation um, because God wants us to be truly free. But we still have a destiny for heaven. 
And this is the same thing with Harry. So um, before Harry was born, there was a prophecy that was made about him that that there would be one who would vanquish the Dark Lord. There would be one um, who would destroy him. Um, and there, I could I have the prophecy memorized. Well, we'll go into that later. Uh, and it could have applied to two different people. It could have applied either uh, to Harry Potter or to Neville Longbottom. They were both born in July. They both had parents who had thrice defied the Dark Lord. Yet Voldemort chose to go after Harry. And that started off Harry. Um, Voldemort initiated the prophecy happening. So when mm -hmm. Voldemort chose Harry um, to try to kill him, Voldemort was actually choosing the one who would kill him. Mm -hmm. So all this comes to really a fantastic uh, discussion. I believe it's in Order of the Phoenix in the very end where Dumbledore is explaining this to Harry that like, Harry, there is this prophecy that's made about you that you're going to destroy the Dark Lord. And Harry's like, how can I do that? Like, mm -hmm. I don't have any skills. I don't have any talents. And uh, Dumbledore is like, you have love and mm -hmm. you have choice. And you could be dragged into the arena to face a death, or you could march into the arena with your head held high and choose to die and choose to love. Wow. And, and the chapter ends with Harry saying he would march into the arena with his head held high. And he knew that that was all the difference in the world. Wow. And that's us as Christians. We're yeah. called to die. We're called to take up our cross and, and to follow Jesus. And we can uh, be dragged, kicking and screaming for, to, to face suffering, or we can pick, pick up our cross kiss that cross and march up to Calvary and say, death, you don't have the final word. And mm -hmm. I choose to die, but then I know that through Jesus, I will rise again. And that's what Harry Potter does. And that's us with divine providence that God is calling us um, to live with him. But first to do that, we must die on a cross. Wow. Um, but it's the choice that makes all the difference. And I think, I think this is very important um, because we live in a society that tries to minimize culture. Like we love our comfort. Mm. We love, uh, we, we try to avoid, avoid discomfort at, at all costs. Sure. And I think sometimes people hear in Christianity that that we, we have kind of this redemption of suffering, this mystery of suffering. And people mm. kind of think it's like, Oh, Christians, they like to like punish themselves and whip themselves. <laughs> and I, I think that's an unhealthy, inaccurate way to, to depict it. Super is, inaccurate. Yeah. Cause suffering is a reality. Everyone's yeah. going to suffer. Um, mm -hmm. But it's the attitude with which you face suffering is do you, do you face it with despair or do you face it with hope and recognition that God can work even through this, right? As you said from Romans 8, God makes all things work for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. And that God can, trans God can transform what happened on the cross, this like awful torture of an innocent person, which you think about mm -hmm. is, is weird. Like you, I taught in a Catholic school for many years in every room, we have like an executed person hanging <laughs> on the wall, bloody like, and naked, bloody and naked uh, crucified person on the wall. Like imagine you walk to a room, there's an electric chair hanging on the wall or, or somebody being lynched hanging on the wall. Like yeah. that would make you stop. And, but that, that is the symbol of our hope that God can take even that awful thing and transform it for good. And so when we come up against suffering in our lives, like placing it in the hands of God and recognizing that that can be transformed. Uh, I had a, we were talking about this, this mystery of suffering one time with my students and one of my students raised his hand and uh, he said, Mr. Tenney, would you say that holiness without suffering is impossible? Yeah. And I thought about it and I was like, I, th I think I would say that. Yeah. Like suffering is part of, of how we come to union with, with Christ. Is that um, student now a priest? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but a very profound uh, moment there. Yeah. And so I think when we encounter suffering in our lives, recognizing 
first of all, that it is wrong. That is not the way it's supposed to be. We're not meant to suffer. Yeah, we're in a fallen world. And there will be a day, like the book of Revelation says, when they will hunger no more and thirst anymore and every tear will be wiped away from their eye. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, recognize that this suffering doesn't define me. I'm not defined sure. by the, what I'm going through. Um, yeah. And I also I think about how um, sports, <laughs> where do you think LeBron got his muscles? Ooh. Do you think it happened because he was lying in bed eating Cheetos? No, that's me watching the NBA finals. And that's why I don't have the muscles like LeBron James because I didn't choose to embrace suffering yeah. the way he has. Uh -huh. How do you think musicians become as talented as they are? They mm -hmm. have calluses on their fingers. Mm -hmm. They have bled because they've worked so hard. Yeah. And it's a delusion to think that life is free from suffering. So you can reject Christianity. Mm -hmm. oh, go for it. Great. But suffering will always follow you and you can choose to embrace that suffering and become the stronger person to become the athlete, the musician, the saint who recognizes mm -hmm. that suffering is my avenue to greatness or wow. you can run from it and uh, suffering will still find you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love when, when she's be grim, but like, <laughs> no, I, I know what you that's mean. That's the life that we live. Uh, and yet we still hope we have the audacity to hope in the face of all that. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, can we talk about Voldemort? Yeah. The, the How dare e you say his name? <laughs> well, I love that hair. Like uh, Dumbledore isn't afraid to say his name. Yeah. Fear of a name increases the fear of it itself. Yeah. And That's Dumb Dumbledore why we name like, sins whatever. out loud in confession. Ooh. You know, we don't. We want to. We want when you name something, you take away its uh, power over you. Amen. I love that. Uh, that's 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 so true. I remember like the the first time I ever uh, I was on a retreat in high school, and the first time I ever really had an honest confession where Ooh, I really powerful. said everything out loud. And you're right, like naming that sin. Like confession is not about God forgiving you. It's about you finally being willing to be open with God. And I, I always get like this pit in my stomach before I go to confession. Like oh, sure. I don't want to do this, but coming out, I feel like the weight is off my shoulders. For sure. It's, because you've it's awesome. named your sin and when you name your sin you also mm -hmm. name the name of jesus christ which is yeah. power over your sin and mm -hmm. gosh so many rants i could go on <clears throat> yeah so hold uh, me back one of the things that um spoke to me so much as as like fundamentally christian about the story is mm -hmm. the way that voldemort tries to cheat death and he's kind of trying to cheat that suffering that we're talking about, sure. you know, and he calls his followers, the death eaters. They want to conquer mm -hmm. death and be not afraid of death and, 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 and live forever. And the way he tries to go about immortality is through the horcruxes, yeah. which you have to, you create a horcrux. It's like breaking off a piece of your soul. And the yeah. way that you tear your soul into pieces is through murder. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, that's like absolutely true in terms of sin. Like when we sin, we tear our souls. We are breaking our mm -hmm. souls. And I just, I think that is such a great analogy for, yeah. for the way sin functions and in our lives. And it doesn't even work fully. Yeah, it doesn't you know? even work. Like Voldemort thinks you like have this great, amazing life. No, he's like a snake man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this yeah. is how he's alive. So this is the same thing with the evil one. The evil one promises all like pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment and all these things. And we don't even get them the way that yeah. we thought we would. Same thing with Voldemort. He... So when he experiences one of his first deaths um, through mm -hmm. Lily's protection, he becomes like this spirit that like mm -hmm. lives in a tree in Albania mm -hmm. for like 10 years. Like what a great life. <laughs> How's that working out for you? And then he lives in the back of someone's turbaned head, horrifying. And then he has to uh, drink unicorn blood. And then he finally like gets one of his slaves to make him a body but his body has red eyes he looks like a snake he has no nose he's bald mm -hmm. like that's yeah that's the life he has and it's 
it's not even worth it. So the life that he had to sacrifice, the amount of soul splitting he had to do Mm -hmm. for what a life that a teenager ended up defeating in a few years, like Uh it's, it's absolutely not worth, um, sin never, the devil never gives us what he promises. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he says he'll give us certain things, and he does in a weird way, but they never fulfill and they mm. never last. And that's the same thing with Voldemort. Well, and, and something that I, whenever I'm talking through with students about the the book of Genesis and the devil promises Eve, oh, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God. Literally, and it's like, none of that happens. Yeah, she's just naked. Yeah, all she realizes is that she's vulnerable uh-huh. and broken and exposed. Well, and God just told them, "You're made in the image and likeness of God." You're, they already were going to be yes. like gods. <laughs> and he yes. says, Oh, you eat this. You'll be like God. So it's, it's this false, yeah. this, this false promise. And C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters talks about how the, what the devil really wants is you to give in to your pleasures, not so that you enjoy them, but so that you become mm. a slave to them so that you don't even enjoy them anymore. And that's oh, kind of what happens so with, true. with Voldemort is he, he's going wow. after this life and he doesn't even get it. He doesn't even enjoy his life anymore. He's this shriveled thing. And when you, you see him at King's Cross at the, in the at seventh book, he's this shriveled little disfigured thing. And that's what's left of mm-hmm. his soul. Um, exactly. And the same thing and happens And he's not even us. living life. He's so yeah. desperate to protect the shell of a life he has. He's not even doing what he wants. Amen. He's just afraid that his life is going to end. So he's not even fully living. Amen. Wow. Wow. Um, his greatest fear is death. And that's, that's really his, his fatal flaw is he clings to life for the sake of life and not for the purpose of something greater. Right. Yeah. Whereas, and whereas Dumbledore, who's the, and in many ways, his foil, um, mm-hmm. Dumbledore voluntarily dies to, for the cause. And that's mm-hmm. what Harry does. That's what Lily does. Dumbledore yeah. knows that, um, there's far greater things than death. Man. And that's, Dumbledore, or that's Voldemort's downfall that he's afraid of death where the Christian knows that their faith is built upon death. Their faith is built upon a cross mm-hmm. and only by dying do we rise again. Oof. And Voldemort doesn't get that. Doesn't. That's why he's dead. That's why he's dead. He did. He did. <laughs> um, can we talk about bullying? Mm-hmm. Because that's big theme in these books. Huge. I mean, Snape big is theme. bullied by by James Potter, Harry's father. Mm-hmm. Um, Voldemort is is as a child like abandoned by his parents, and right. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's and then all, really bullies a lot of other people. Yeah, Harry is totally bullied as mm-hmm. a young kid um, by the Dursleys and by um, yeah Malfoy, mm-hmm. yeah Draco. Um, like, what do you? I don't, I don't know if you ever had experience with, with bullies, but like, what do you think Harry Potter has to, let's say you're middle school, high school, even an adult, um, and you're struggling with people bullying you. What does Harry Potter have, have to teach us about that? I think Harry Potter teaches us about the devastating effects of bullying, mm. how um, it, it is not good. <laughs> and it really sticks with the perpetrator um, and the one who receives the bullying and all of those around them. So Harry is deeply affected when he finds out that 30 years ago, his father bullied one of his enemies. (laughs) Harry was so hurt by that because guess what? Our sins affect other people. They're not just this private thing that we do ourselves. They affect other people. Um, Bullying is devastating. And, um, but also Harry Potter teaches us that if you are the one being bullied, you have two choices. Mm. You can become the bullier, continue the cycle of violence as Snape does, mm. or you can be like Harry who ends the cycle of violence and, and chooses love and mm. rejects that. I mean, not that Harry is 
perfect. I don't, I don't know if you would call Harry a bully. He definitely uh, teases and snides and is mm-hmm. obnoxious to other yeah. people, but I don't know if you'd say Harry is a bully, mm-hmm. but that's the whole thing about Snape. I, uh, Snape was bullied and then he continued to bully people his whole life. Yeah. And that's tragic. And like, Snape did not deserve to be bullied. Voldemort didn't deserve to be bullied. No one deserves to be bullied, mm-hmm. um, but it's how you react to it that determines your character. And um, if you continue that cycle of bullying to other people, and I, I I totally agree with that. I think it's I think it's so true that it it begets it sticks with people. You don't realize how much. And I, I, when yeah. Jesus is talking about the commandment to not kill, he says, "But I tell you, don't even let yourself give sure. give into anger because if you even insult someone, like that is yeah. is a form of of killing." And when people yeah. say stick sticks and stones don't will will break my bones, but words That's will never hurt me. Yeah, like words absolutely have power <laughs> to wound. Absolutely, they do. And yeah. um. And we don't even realize when we do it so much. No. We, we, we think we're joking or we're kind of being passive aggressive or it's on the internet in the comment box or we're responding to something mm. on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. We don't realize how cutting we're, we're, we're being. And even as an adult, I find myself sometimes in conversations with people and, and I don't realize the things that I say really uh, affect people. Sure. You know, And those comments stick with people for years. Years, yeah. I, I mean – I still remember some things people said to me in sixth grade. I wasn't mm-hmm. super bullied, thanks be to God, but I definitely had some people who said things to me and I still think about that as yeah. an adult, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so many of us can remember the hurtful things or indifferent things people have said to us as little kids and how mm-hmm. that still really affects you. And many yeah. of us are still unpacking that in therapy. Um, our words have power. And I really think that we see that in Harry Potter, how, uh, how you treat people really does matter. Amen. Amen. Um, what was I going to talk about? I'm trying to, I, there was some, somewhere else I wanted to go from there. Um, all right. It'll come back. If, if it's meant to be the Holy Evil Spirit, sure. we'll, we'll put it back in my we brain. Believe in that. <laughs> um, so there, I wanted to talk a little bit about the cursed child, uh, Harry Potter and the cursed child. Um, because, one of them, as a teacher, I've seen, you know, I was a high school, Catholic high school teacher for 14 years, and I've seen lots of um, relationships between parents and, and students. And, um, and now that I have my own children, I'm starting to think about like, how do I protect them from the world? And there's this awesome conversation between Harry as an adult and Dumbledore, where Harry says to Dumbledore, because uh, his son, his son, Albus is in grave danger. And he goes to Dumbledore to be like, how do I protect my son from danger. And Dumbledore is like, you ask me of all people how to protect a young boy from danger. Like I did a terrible job at that. And Harry says, well, what am I supposed to do? Just let him, just let him be, be killed, be harmed. And Dumbledore says, no, you prepare him to face it. You prepare him to face it. And I, I see so many parents make one of two mistakes with their with their children either mm. they let them experience everything with no throw protection them throw them to the wolves and they end up with so much damage and so much baggage or they protect them so much that they never mm. let them out of the bubble they never let them experience 
any sort of hurt. And I, I remember when I was in Boy Scouts, I was like 11 years old and I was away for my first week of camp and I was so homesick. And there were some kids yeah. in my troop that were not super nice to me. And by like the second night, I was like crying in my tent and like the scoutmaster came and was like, why don't you write a, a letter to your, your parents? And uh, so I wrote <laughs> postcards to my, to my older brothers and my parents and it says, camp is a living hell. Please come get me. I still have them there. They are, my, my mom framed them with my picture of me at my Eagle ceremony when I got my Eagle Scout. Oh, that's <laughs> so I have a picture of me framed as an Eagle Scout with each of these postcards. Um, and <laughs> my mom, when she got those postcards, she wanted to like drive four hours to the scout camp to come get me. And my father put his foot down and was like, Lisa, if you go pick that boy up, he'll never become a man. <laughs> And I'm so glad because by like two days later, I was shooting rifles and I was fishing and mm -hmm. I was, I was swimming across the lake and I was having a great time. And yeah. just that, that just being able to, to, to go through it. Um, yeah, like such a, such a powerful thing for me to be able to, to go up against that and, and be able to come through it. Um, anyway, I feel like, I feel yeah. like that sort of no, theme is here. No, that's such a real thing. And mm -hmm. that's, parents want to accompany their children and yeah. Um, raise them in the faith, as, as we know, parents are the primary educators of their faith. Amen. And the parents also have the responsibility to help the children face the world. And, yeah. you know, for any parent who might be listening, who's hesitant about their children reading Harry Potter, why don't you read Harry Potter with your child? That'd be like, awesome. This be, be a great teaching moment. Yeah. Any, any movie, any show, maybe that you're hesitant about your child watching. Well, don't let them do it alone in their room, mm -hmm. which they'll find out. They'll figure it out themselves. Why don't you do it with them yeah. and then you can have a teaching moment and talk about these things with them and help prepare mm -hmm. your child to, to face the world. Yeah, because ultimately what do you want? You want an adult who is able to yeah. come when they come across those things, critique it and and see it from a Christian lens. And that has to be taught sure. and modeled. So it's like the learner's permit. Before you let them out to drive on their own, so true. you let them get a the number of hours permit. with you, accompany them. Yeah. yeah. So um, very good. Very good. Very good. All right. So we we don't have a whole lot of uh, time left. So what are what are some things that you, you feel like we have to talk about with Harry Potter before we uh Oh man. Um I mean, you should read them. You should read the book. <laughs> well, let, let me let me ask you this: if you were, <laughs> if you were, do you know your your Hogwarts house? What house would you be? Um. Do you know? I, have you thought about yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, come on. Of course, I have. <laughs> um, I would say I'm between a Gryffindor and a Hufflepuff. Uh huh. Um, and depending on the year, it can change. Mm -hmm. But also, we know in Harry Potter that there's this debate. Dumbledore says, you know, I, I think we maybe sort them too early as 11 year olds. We, we sort of separate them too early. So as an 11 year old, I think I would be a Gryffindor yeah. as an adult. I think I become more and more. Hufflepuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, That's I think, I think I'm a Gryffindor, but I also recognize that everybody kind of wants to be a Gryffindor because they're like known yeah. for their bravery. But when That's, I think about it, I do, I do think that uh, that is maybe maybe Ravenclaw because I, I do like the philosophy kind of thinking side of yeah, it. Yeah, I think each um, house has like three or four outstanding um, qualities, but mm -hmm. there's also this theory going around that whatever house you want to be in, mm -hmm. that's the house you're in. Oh yeah, because Harry, Harry wants to be. A, yeah, that was Harry, yeah. but mm -hmm. it might not be the qualities that you have, but it's mm -hmm. the qualities that you want. And Growing then when so. you're surrounded by other like-minded peers, you will develop those. So like. Neville doesn't have much bravery or chivalry yeah. or daring, but yeah. he wants to. And then he's surrounded by people who are brave and daring, and that inspires him to be the incredible man that he is mm -hmm. um, and help destroy Voldemort. Yeah. So I think it's whatever you desire to be. 
I think that really plays a big part in your, Ooh, your sorting house. Very good. Um, I, I, I think about, uh, it's almost like different charisms like we have in the church. Like you For can sure. have, you can have a Jesuit spirituality, a Dominican or a Franciscan or a Augustinian spirituality. Yeah. There's not one that's wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that for people who don't read the books or just watch the movies, something that really bothers me is they think that yeah, the Gryffindors are the good guys and the Slytherins are the bad guys. Like mm-hmm. that's not the case at all. The, yeah. Those are just different qualities. And um, it's how you choose to live that predisposes you to greatness or mm-hmm. to, to being a bad person. But um, every one of the houses really good qualities. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you, I was thinking about this in terms of like, you have a theology degree. I have a theology yeah. degree in terms of like different parts of theology and philosophy. If you were like studying at a Catholic school, um, what, what Hogwarts professors would teach like what, <laughs> what, do you, what, oh, do you, what do you, like what would Snape teach? Do you think if he was like a theology philosophy? Demonology. Teacher? I hate. <laughs> I'm not a Snape fan at all. Oh um, yeah, I feel like he'd be a he'd be in liturgy, just because. Well, I mean, if he's teaching potions or defense against the dark arts, because he taught defense against That's the true. dark arts in the sixth book, potions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I you sent me this question to think about beforehand. Uh-huh. I had a hard time thinking about this. Um, I've just known so many uptight liturgists. No offense to liturgists out there. But oh, of course, I feel we're very like much like, this is the way that it's done. Yeah. I mean, I, in potion, there's really no room to mess around and there's no room for improv or else mm-hmm. you die. So yeah. I guess you could say that with the liturgy. Yeah. <laughs> if you mess around, <laughs> you die. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so that, uh-huh. I, I would buy that. I think I think you could, if you give me a good explanation, I'll accept anything. Uh-huh. I, I had a, I had a hard time thinking about this. The only thing I could think about was like care of magical creatures would mm. be taught by Saint Francis of Assisi, oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> which is such a cliche. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Give me some of your thoughts. What What do you think some of the professors would be in? Um, well, I th- so I think um, McGonagall. I was thinking about her as like uh, she was Transfiguration. Yeah. Uh, so that makes me think of the sacraments. It makes me think of philosophy, like the matter, go. the matter and the form. So I was thinking I could see her as a, as a sacrament. A class on sacraments? Yeah. I buy that. Uh-huh. I that class. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like defense against the dark arts is kind of like moral theology. And sure. Yeah. So anyway, those, those, those are my thoughts. History you of know, magic, you church know, history. Every, you know, every class could maybe be a sacraments class, <laughs> but I think about it because sacraments are the defense against the evil. Oh, they are. They, uh, they go. Potion. I mean, yeah. I could... I think you could say almost every class would be a sacraments class. Mm-hmm. 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 If uh, Hogwarts houses were religious orders, did you think about that mm-hmm. one at all? I feel like for Rave- days. for days. Yeah. I about this. <clears throat> yeah. Give me, give me what you would say. And then, so and I think Dominicans are Ravenclaw. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that was Ravenclaw are known for pursuit of knowledge and uh-huh. love of knowledge and reasoning. And, and that's yeah. very Dominican. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and um, no 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 offense to to the Jesuits, I I have uh, a love for Jesuit spirituality, but I feel like Jesuits are Slytherin just because sometimes they can kind of push the boundaries a little bit, <laughs> and they're on the periphery, they're on the edge. You went there. Um, they're yeah, Slytherin. Well, Slytherin's known for like their cunning, right, and kind of mm-hmm. their practicality almost. And I feel like um, the Jesuits sometimes they they're 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 at the missions. Um, they're, they're going to the periphery. They're trying to, trying to meet things where they're at. And, uh, maybe sometimes some of them go too far, but, uh, some of my favorite priests in the world are, are, are Jesuits. Shout out, shout out Father Ronnie. Um, like I, I, I have deep love for the Jesuits, but, uh, I, I think it, again, you don't want to say Slytherin is just the bad guys, even though a lot of the, the they're guys, not. In, they're not, they're not at all. Um, 
so in some, uh, there's, there's some awesome, uh, some awesome Slytherins in the book. So no, 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 no hate for Jesuits at all. I mean that totally in love. I've, I've great love for, for Jesuit spirituality and, uh, St. Ignatius. So, um, those are the, those know. are the two I that came to mind. My, I thought about this for a while. I, while Slytherins are not bad people, mm-hmm. I, um, I think almost the qualities of Slytherin house do not match up to any religious order mm-hmm. because a religious order, they take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Mm-hmm. And Slytherins yeah. are known for their ambition, cunning, mm-hmm. and self-preservation. Okay. So when you become a religious, you give up all worldly ambition. You mm-hmm. say, my only ambition is the ambition for the gospel. Amen. Um, and that that's how I, like, I want to be anonymous for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just don't see that in a religious order. The only way that I could see it would be a religious order really dedicated to mission and mm-hmm. like a zeal for spreading the gospel but that's not self-preservation yeah, yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if for me i don't know if a religious order really fits into the qualities of a slytherin yeah. not that a slytherin <clears throat> couldn't enter a religious yeah, order yeah. it just the direct qualities don't really match up for and, me. and this this is where your your deeper knowledge of, of harry potter is showing over over my cursory knowledge of, of harry potter because i totally forgot about right. that that self-preservation thing but yeah that idea of missions is one of the things that made me think of Sure. The Jesuits, kind of a holy, a holy ambition. They could, they could overlap. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so too. Yeah, a, a zeal the for the gospel. Was, yeah, I was excited about is um, I talked to some of my friends and I was like, "What do you think if Harry Potter were religious orders and houses?" And one of my friends, she had this idea um, for Gryffindor. So Gryffindors are known for their courage and their daring and their bravery. And my friend told me about this religious order called the Mercedarians, who. Hmm. Uh, all religious orders take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, but the Mercedarians take a fourth vow, and their vow is um, if the situation would arise that no matter what they would lay down their lives, they would die for someone if that was needed. Wow. And Which is so cool, but that feels very Gryffindor to me, yeah. the, the bravery, the courage, the daring that like they would lay down their life mm-hmm. for someone, and that's just not a Slytherin quality because Slytherin is all about self-preservation, mm-hmm. but... That to me seems like a very Gryffindor, wow. Gryffindor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, I never heard of them. That's super cool. Neither had I. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> thank you to my friend Bailey for mm-hmm. the suggestion and for that Google search that happened. Tell me, tell me about Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff is known by Hufflepuff what? is underrated. Hufflepuff deserves respect. Okay, and what what are they? What's their? What are they characterized by? Well, if you only watch the movies, you think Hufflepuffs are the leftovers, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, Hufflepuffs are. They're defined by uh, kindness mm-hmm. and loyalty, and those are very Christian qualities mm-hmm. that um, I think of very much of like the universal call to holiness, mm-hmm. where everyone's called to be a saint, and you might not be a saint through great signs and wonders and like miraculous things as maybe Ravenclaws or Gryffindors or Slytherins might be, but um, every person is called to lead a simple life of, of faithfulness and holiness, and that makes me think a lot of, of Hufflepuffs that... They just try to do their job as best they can. They're kind, they're loving, mm-hmm. they're accepting, and um, that's what they do. That makes me think of the Franciscans. I'm rocking Yes, that's why I would cross. think that yeah. Franciscans would be Hufflepuffs, especially because there's the secular order of Franciscans mm-hmm. where you don't have to be a professed religious to officially be a Franciscan. Yeah. You can be someone living as a lay person and you can still take um, follow the order of St. Francis, like loving God in your basic life. Mm-hmm. And that's extraordinary enough. And and also the idea the the Franciscans are called the the like the little brothers the friars minor yeah. and they're they're like uh, Francis felt called not to be like 
this great, you know, uh, academic or scholastic like Thomas Aquinas, but he was going to just live with the poor, be humble. And that seems very Hufflepuff to me. So, and um, there's this, there's this cool theory. This hasn't been confirmed by J.K. Rowling, but, um, all the houses, um, they have their own common rooms. They're the mm-hmm. places where all the students hang out. And, and Slytherin, it's it's like in this chamber and you have to say a password. And, and Ravenclaw, it's up in this tower and you have to answer a riddle to, oh, right. to, to enter. Uh-huh. And Gryffindor, it's also a password. We never find the Hufflepuff common room um, in mm. the books. They think it's near the kitchen. But there's this theory <laughs> that there is no password and that really anyone could just come and hang in and you you could be a Gryffindor in the huh. Hufflepuff common room. You could be Ravenclaw. You could be a Slytherin. Just the idea that they don't, they're not hiding themselves, mm-hmm. that they're very open. And that's very Franciscan to me. That's like not confirmed by the books, but that's just like a popular theory. I know mm-hmm. that that, that just is shows cool. the Hufflepuff's kindness and, and openness. Uh-huh. Well, there's so much more we could talk about here, Maggie. And I, and I, w- I was, we were even talking before the show, like we might have to make this a two-parter. So I think I might have to have you back at some point. Um, uh, and you know, I'd love to. Yeah. So, and we could talk about the house elves and the, and the pure bloods and the mud bloods and all that. Maybe, maybe we'll call it Harry Potter and Catholic social teaching or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'd listen to that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe in a few months we'll, we'll, we'll try it again. I'd love <laughs> to have you back. Um, it's clear, clear you have uh, a well-versed in Catholic theology. You're representing Franciscan university. Well, um, so Maggie, tell me about where people can, uh, find you. And if they want to hire you as a Catholic speaker, how would they do that? Yes, that would be great. Um, you can find me on my website, maggie-craig.com. You could find me on Instagram, Maggie Craig ministries. You can find me on YouTube. That's one of the best things of the, uh, coronavirus is that I've really amped up my YouTube page yeah. and I post quite a lot of videos. You can just find me Maggie Craig. I'm also on Facebook for your mom. If she wants to find me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just find me online. Um, you also can find me in prayer. Please, please pray for me. I, I love all prayer um, and I love all support. Awesome. Very good. Um, I'm Mike Tenney. I'm the host of Pop Culture Catechism here at Awaken Catholic. You can find me at MikeTenneyMusic.com uh, and at PKMikeyT on social media. Uh, before we close, Maggie, sometimes I ask my guests if they would uh, close us in a prayer that just kind of reflects on the things that we've talked about from uh, the show. Would you be willing to do that? I would love that. Awesome. Let's please, that. please pray for us. And if you're, if you're listening or watching, uh, please join us in prayer as well. In the name of the father and the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus, we read in scripture and also on the tombstones of Lily and James Potter, uh, that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And uh, God, I know that you are calling us to your heart. You're calling us to your home. You're calling us to heaven. Um, and while we are on this earth, I pray that you may be with us as we take up our crosses and as we, as we struggle through life, um, we thank you for giving us joy in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain. Um, and thank you for walking with us on this journey home to you. God, I pray for everyone who's listening. I pray for um, anyone who needs to hear this message of, of love and sacrifice and truth. And I thank you, God, for all that you've done for us and all the ways that you have saved us and brought us home to your heart and brought us home to heaven. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Maggie, so much for being here. And uh, I look forward to to seeing where where you go in your ministry. And like I said, I'd I'd love to have you back sometime and we can can talk a little more about Harry Potter. So um, let's talk about 
what was I going to say? Oh, so we, we said this before, but if you want to support the show, if you loved this show, please share it with all your Harry Potter heads that are fans. And if you think they would get something from this, uh, like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all those things help the show. You can also uh, support and keep the lights on uh, monetarily by becoming part of the Awakened Nation, making a monthly donation, um, or you can make a one-time donation as well. You can also download the Hallow app. Um, through hallow.app slash awaken. And if you sign up for that free month of premium, that helps us out as well. And it also, most importantly, helps out your prayer life. You can also download the um, Awaken app. If you go to theawakenapp.io, you get access to, to all the shows here on Awaken. And if you are a part of the Awaken Nation and make that monthly donation, you also get some premium content talks from me and some other uh, presenters and hosts through Awaken Catholic. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for, for watching Pop Culture Catechism. Thank you, Maggie, and we will see you all next time. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.